You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 83 with Nicole Nordeman. So the table for our family has become like the one sacred place where everybody gathers. And it is not always for a home-cooked meal, I can tell you that. Like sometimes it's takeout, but it's not takeout on the couch. and It's not takeout in your room. It's takeout at the table. Welcome to the Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Nicole, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm so thrilled to be with you today. Thank you. So I like to start off every show with an icebreaker. I love to travel and I love to ask, what is your favorite vacation spot that you've gone to and why? And this can be with or without kids. Oh my gosh, that is the perfect question for this morning because I'm home with a sick child <laughs> and there's no nothing I'd rather fantasize more about right now in this particular moment in my life than um, being on my favorite vacation spot. I would have to say that I have always been drawn to Mexico just as a country. I have traveled in lots of vacationed in lots of different parts of it, you know, the sort of resort parts of Mexico and the more Mayan parts of Mexico and, you know, where you're more exploring an adventure. And um, there's just something about the culture, the people. Um, it feels so warm to me in terms of just the way that people interact with um, us. And I don't know, I've just always really had a, a soft spot in my heart for all things Mexico. Yeah. Do you have a specific spot that you absolutely love to go to? You know, we went to Zihuatanejo once a long, long time ago, and it was pretty magical. You know, it's just, it's tucked away and still very much felt like the local culture had been protected. And so, I don't know. We just loved sort of immersing ourselves in the culture there as opposed to being at a nice resort where, you know, you order a cheeseburger. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we loved it. Yeah. No, that's great. Where is that located? The one that you just said? What part Ciudad of Mexico Neho, is that? It's in, do you know where Xtapa is? Yeah. It's mm -hmm. kind of, it's, it's, um, it's in it's in that area. It's it's right on a, like a cliff, like a okay, a yeah, cove, an inlet. So it's not really beach country. I see it's what you're saying. More yeah. mountainous, but mm -hmm. it is so beautiful and just um, again, just the people are so warm and gracious. I've always just fell in love with their just the culture there. I love it. Well, before we jump into the episode, I wanted to share kind of how things go full circle. And so uh, we were talking about this before we started the recording that I used to go to Northridge Church in Plymouth, Michigan. And, and now that I live in Nashville, but I remember when your song Brave came out. And let me tell you, I just played that song over and over again. <laughs> and Thank you. yeah, and so um, it was just a time in our life, we were deciding to move from Michigan to Nashville. So that was a pretty big step. All our family was in Michigan. So it really felt like a really brave step to leave. I think, did that come out in like 2005 or something like that? That sounds about right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like our worship teams sung that song a lot too in Northridge. And I feel like that's originally how I heard it. And so just to kind of fast forward to 2018 and mm -hmm. to know that I live in Nashville, which I didn't realize I was going to do, um, that I have a podcast, which nobody would have known what a podcast was in 2005 <laughs> and that you would be on it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's so fun. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you. I, if anybody ever asked me that, like, how, what would I vision myself, you know, in 2018, this is definitely not what I would have thought. And so right. it's just sometimes amazing what God provides. And, you know, you can't see the forest. You can only see what's in front of you. And so I just wanted to share that. And I loved that song. And um, it was just, it was just like one of those anthem songs that I would play a lot. You know, it's interesting that, that makes it even a little bit more full circle is that I wrote that song when I was a brand new mom. I just had Charlie. Um, I didn't record it until he was about two, but I wrote it when he was first born. And I had such a hard time when I was a brand new mom. I just, I don't know. He he was not a super healthy baby. He had a lot of issues going on. And, you know, the whole firstborn thing, you just don't know what you're doing. And everybody else's babies were doing this and mine wasn't. And he was so unhappy and just crying constantly and never sleeping for like a year. And I just, I I was at a baby shower for another friend and I was standing at the sink washing dishes with her mom, the mom of the friend who's pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I said, I was so tired and just weary. And honestly, like being at a baby shower at that moment, I was like, I just wanted to grab my friend and like shove her in a closet and like whisper the dark truth to her about what <laughs> like, you have no yeah. idea how hard yeah. this is. Enjoy opening your presents because this is about to get really real. <laughs> and um, her mom said, I'm just so proud of Allison for bringing a baby into the world. It's such a brave thing to do that. It's so brave. And I remember thinking, that's such a interesting way to say it because in my mind, it's like, well, it's just what women have been doing forever. Right. But I... I felt so the opposite of brave in that moment, but I grabbed a little baby shower napkin and a pen right in that moment. And I just wrote down the word brave and went home and wrote it for my, my brand new son as a way of just saying, I, I don't feel this yet, but I, you make me want to be brave. Like I, I want to feel courageous in this. I feel small right now, but you make me want to feel like I can do this. And with, with Lord's help, of course. And so I think it's cool that that song inspired you. And now you yeah. are inspiring so many other moms. Oh, thank this, you. This yeah. Yeah. And, and also too, I went back and listened to it because I, I, I reading a little bit of your book, I, I saw that you wrote that for your son. So now viewing that as a mother, I can see that even through a different lens, you know, I was using it more like, Hey, you know, I'm in my late twenties and I'm moving far away and all this stuff. And then, but I'm like, wow, now thinking about it as a mom and wanting to be brave Mm -hmm. and, you know, the status quo, like, I was like, Oh, I'm like, and and, you know, it, it literally could bring tears to my eyes just when I listen to it. And, um, because I do feel like when you're a mom, it does really just, it changes who you are, um, if you like it or not. And so it changes you. So, yeah. So I just wanted to share that with you because I was like, wow, this is so crazy. Um, and just so neat to see how it all plays out. Um, yeah. So I, I went a little bit backwards. So normally I ask every, um, every guest to share their name. So I'm like skipping around. So, uh, how about you tell us what your name is, where you're from (laughs) (laughs) and how many kids you have? (laughs) Sure. Well, my name's Nicole Nordeman, and uh, I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I've been here for almost 10 years, and um, I've got two kids. Charlie, uh, who's the little one I was just telling the story about, is now 14 and headed into high school next year, which is just wow. <laughs> unfathomable to me. I can't even handle it. Yeah. And my daughter, Pepper, is nine years old. So I like to ask people how they got to where they are today. So I, we're going to talk about the book, but um, how about you just share with us, like, um, how you started singing and, and how yeah. that your whole singing career started. 
Well, um, I grew up singing. I, I was part of a very musical family. My mom was and is still a very accomplished pianist, and she was always the choir director at our church. She was my music teacher at our high school. Like she was just always sort of directing the things. And I was always either in the things or sitting in the back row, you know, during her rehearsal, doing my homework. So I just grew up with music, even in our home, just kind of as a second language. Um, And I didn't discover that I knew how to be a songwriter until I started really kind of messing around with it in um, college. And that was a surprise to me. I didn't know that that was inside me. I just started, I just tried it one day and discovered that it, um, it was just really connected and it was a really private way for me to write about things that were important to me, my faith, my relationships, the world around me. Um, and so I didn't have any really plan to pursue music as a career, to be honest. I was, I'm, I'm a little more left brained than most than the typical artist would say. Oh, interesting. So I'm very, um, I like to have a plan. I like things to feel stable and secure. I, I appreciate a good 401k. Like <laughs> I'm not, you know, and, I, and yeah. I had these friends who were very artistic and I loved the art part, but the sort of just creative, um, just come what may, you know, just sort of living in this, uh, this forever, um, I don't know, like not spacey, but you know what I mean? Just kind of dreamy. They were Mm -hmm. dreamers and I wasn't a dreamer. So I thought songwriting and singing and performing is not the path for me. I need something that's way more predictable. Um, So I got a degree in psychology. I was trying to figure out what to do with it after I graduated. Would I go to grad school, continue that path? But I just kept singing and writing songs and I was always really plugged into my church doing that as well. They always gave me a, pl- a platform to do that. And it seemed like these doors just kept opening for music. And I was like, no, 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 thank you. Just <laughs> walking right past them. Wow. And eventually, um, I had a friend send me a flyer back when there were flyers before the internet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was for a songwriting competition um, to enter a song that was sponsored by the Gospel Music Association. I had no idea who that was. And it turned out to be kind of a scouting event. They were looking for new artists and new writers. And pretty quickly, I had a record deal um, in my lap. And I just, I wasn't sure. It wasn't, it's not the classic, like, I dreamt about it and God finally opened the door and it happened. It wow. was like, I yeah. was sort of standing at the door going, uh, and, and then I'm, And then you got pushed in. <laughs> I got pushed in. Yes. So, I love it. Uh, I feel like more like God, God chased me down than I chased the dream down, but Interesting. Yeah, no, I love it. Well, and that leads me into um, your next song that you wrote is um, Slow Down and you wrote a book called Slow Down. So how about you share with us how you decided to write the song in the book? Well, the song came first. My son uh, graduated from fifth grade a couple years ago and he goes to a small, uh, real small private school. And um, I wanted to sing at their little graduation ceremony but then I forgot that I sort of signed up to do that until the night before. And the night before the graduation, I was like, oh my gosh, what in the world am I going to sing to a bunch of almost sixth graders? Which, you know, if you ever just feel really good about yourself, just go ahead and hang oh, out with yeah. middle schoolers. <laughs> I can imagine. You realize how uncool you are. <laughs> and so I wanted it to be meaningful, but I didn't want to embarrass Charlie. And I don't know. So I was just sitting at my piano like at nine o'clock at night trying to figure something out, practicing some stuff that I already knew and had already recorded. 
And I made the grave error of pulling out old photo albums and pictures of him since he was a baby. And just looking at all of these stages and ages of his life up until sixth grade. And I just, you know, it was full on Kleenex everywhere, just disastrous. Cried and cried. And this song just kind of poured out of me, you know, like I just, you want to freeze time sometimes as, as a mom, especially as they get older. It's really true. It goes so much faster the older they get. So I wrote Slow Down and I sang it the next morning at the graduation ceremony. Um, and I thought that would that was sort of the end of it. It was just sort of my song for Charlie and his class and their families. And um, and then I played it for, just for fun, I played it for my A&R guy at my label. And he was like, uh, I think this might have a wider audience. Mm. So I recorded it um, and did the video, which went viral, much to everyone's surprise. And then out of that came this little book of essays about um, just being a mom, all the messiness and the marvel of it. Yeah, I had a friend of mine say, I can't even I can't even listen to the song slow down because <laughs> I will just start crying my eyes out. <laughs> I, I'm brutal. laughing, but I know it's it is. I know. You know, yeah, I have um a three year old who's gonna be four in a couple of weeks and then my other one just turned seven and I just am like, How do I have a seven year old? Like this literally just felt like five seconds ago and uh I was registering my three year old for pre-K next year. And a, a gentleman uh, was standing um, in a line in, in their cafe. It's a big church. And um, <clears throat> and he was talking to my three-year-old saying, oh, I have three girls. So I know what it's like. She was being shy. And then I was just asking, oh, how old are your girls? And he said, 19, 21, and 24. And he said, it feels like just yesterday that they were this age, which yep. that alone makes me want to always cry. Cause I'm just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, I know. Um, I know. Well, and that leads that that leads me into this um, quote that you have um, that the moments we never get back, the moments I was always trying hard to rush through, and that is so the truth because in the day to day, it's kind of like they say the uh, days are long but the years are short. That is yep. so so true. And mm-hmm. something that stood out to me when I read that was just getting up in the middle of the night and when the when the babies were young and you know nursing which that was crazy and yeah. um wishing that part was over but now i just look back at uh, the like little babies and moms that have I little know. babies and i can see why um people get b- baby fever cuz especially totally. when your kids start getting a little bit older you're like yep. and you have amnesia from that yeah. time frame because <laughs> yes. uh, you just see that little baby and you're like oh they just cuddle up in your oh, neck and they're just so I sweet know. um and you know i just think uh, yeah i look at those moms with the newborns and i just want to say cherish that but it is so hard in that when you're in it yeah I because know. you have the blowouts and they're screaming and they're this and they're that and you haven't slept or showered no, you haven't week. slept right it's not right. it's not adorable yeah you're trying to get off the baby weight you're so exhausted you just want to eat sugar and pound the coffee and totally. you, it's just it's so hard and so um I, you know so i totally relate to that i know so many moms can um but what stands out to you that you feel like man i really wish i wouldn't have tried to you know, fast forward through this part. Yeah. I think for me, I just, I am an information person. And so, especially when Charlie was a baby and he was such a hard baby, like I just absolutely immersed myself in books and blogs and articles and 
and asked, asked advice of everyone from grandma to a stranger on the street, like, what am I doing wrong? How could, you know, I didn't, I wanted to figure out swaddle, not swaddle, uh, figure out the breastfeeding schedule, figure out why the sleep schedule wasn't working. Cause this book says in chapter four that I should be doing this at this age. It's not working, you know? And I just, I wish if I could go back and tell my younger self, my younger mom self, mm-hmm. something, I would say, put the books down, turn off your computer, stop like asking everyone for information and just go inside. Like God has given you every tool you need already. He chose you to be this child's mom. You know, instinctually, you will know how to love and care for him. Like, stop with the panic and the overload of information because it's paralyzing. And then you end up like your baby becomes a project instead of your child. Right. Yeah, just loving them. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, and not all kids are going to follow all the trends or the books or Mm -hmm. the sleep. This, all the sleep trends or whatever they are now. I don't even know. Right. Yeah. When I was, when I had Charlie, it was baby wise was like the thing. Yes. But um, anyway, you know, I think that that's what I would do. I would just, I would try so hard to be more present in the moment and not just be such a basket case. Yeah, no, I do love that. And I felt, I definitely feel like that happens as a first time mom. I do feel sure. like as you have more, you kind of just like, whatever, we'll just figure this out. <laughs> right. Everyone's going to live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, another part in the book that ha- had me cracking up is when you're talking about your friends going out to lunch and the babies uh. are just sleeping in the carriers and, hmm. you know, they're just sleeping with their pacifiers. Um, did you feel yeah. like you were isolated when, especially when Charlie was born? Like, did you yeah. just feel like you couldn't figure out how to get out of the house? I couldn't. I really was so paralyzed. I couldn't figure out how to be a normal person. It was like, again, it seems like, it seems like you're so alone in that. Like the rest of the world has happy babies who are all sleeping quietly while their moms are lunching. Right. Um, And for some reason, mine just wasn't ever going to be that baby. And so I, I got very isolated. I remember my friend Shannon, when I first had Charlie and all of my blinds were drawn in our apartment and she would drive by every day and be like, okay, your blinds are still drawn. Are you alive? Like, are you in there? And finally she was like, I am, I'm coming in. If I drive by one more day and I see that your blinds are drawn, I am like, I'm coming in with the Navy SEALs. Like we're going to come get you. I had totally isolated myself because I felt so inadequate and small and not brave. And I didn't know what I was doing. And so I really pulled away from everyone who seemed like they knew what they were doing, which was a huge mistake. Well, you said that Charlie had um, a certain kind of acid reflux in the book, correct? Yeah, it's it was called gastrointestinal. Well, I'm going to mess it up now. It's been it's so okay. long. Yeah, something, something, something like that. Re- yeah, yeah there's you- a little valve that wasn't <sighs> quite developed yet. And so everything he ate for 18 months just came right back up. Well, and that's hard because, you know, I do feel like when you have situations like that and you and I was reading that, you know, he was always hungry, right? Because he's spitting back up his food. Well, that uh-huh. is a lot more challenging and I could see how you would feel isolated. And that's where things are not apples to apples. I'll tell you yeah. that my first daughter was more challenging than my second. And so um, even when it came to breastfeeding and all that kind of stuff, and I really was like, how am I going to have a second one? And then all these people were already having their seconds like 18 months, you know, right. later. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I need more space. Well, it wasn't until I had my second and I didn't, I didn't go on to have a third. Maybe if I had been, if I had been younger, I would have, but, mm-hmm. um, I could see, oh, so if people had babies like this, 
and yeah. they're first, yeah. I can see how they would be like, yeah, let's have a baby uh, 15 one. months apart, 18 months apart. This is no problem. Let's have 12 babies. Yeah, let's have 12. Okay. And this is easy. And this is good. So I can yeah. see, um, and all depends on your how your um, delivery was. I had a C-section yeah. that wasn't planned. So I had to figure that out. I didn't have any family here. So there's so many things that go into it. And I feel like so many moms shame themselves if they can't do the same right. thing as someone else. But when you really look at the situations, they're most likely not the same. Right. And so I do feel like that's why there's isolation. Yeah. And of course I didn't have any of that perspective at the time. It was just, I'm a, I don't know what I'm doing and I am a bad mom and I'm I'm not doing this well, as opposed to everything that you just said, like factoring in, yeah, but this and this Mm -hmm. and this, these are all really difficult parts of this journey right now that maybe other people aren't experiencing. Um, But like you said, when you're in that, when you're in that space, which is so sleep deprived and so crazy and the fog is endless it's really hard to to look you know outside of that and see th- see things for what they are and know that there there will be an end to this season. Yeah, right. Um, yep. But I think that's good. That's good. Those are good words for friends of moms. I think yeah. everything we're talking about right now is something that women can just pay attention to for their friends who are who knew moms, you know, right, who yeah. might not, who haven't come out of their house for a few too many days and might need a little encouragement. Um you know, just check in on them. Yeah. I love that because especially if you have kids, you know how it feels. So to go help those new moms and let Ah. them know it's okay. I mean, when you look back, uh, well, let me ask you, did you, were you different with Pepper? I was, but did you go out very different baby? Yeah, exactly. Happy baby. Mm -hmm. You know, she had her own quirks and stuff, but right. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And by then, you know, Charlie was five. I had a good age gap between them. So, I felt like I was just a different person. I was a new person. I was like, I have a kindergartner and I can do this, you know? Yeah. It just wasn't as severe as it was. Yeah, right. Exactly. So like I said, if you would have had Pepper first, your whole thoughts on motherhood probably would have looked much different to start. Yeah. So it is interesting how that all works out. Um, Speaking of being five years old, uh, I was reading how you had your fifth birthday party at McDonald's. I smiled reading that because I too had my fifth birthday party at McDonald's and still have those pictures. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. And I love that you write um, back in the day, parents didn't refinance their home to throw their kids a birthday party. And I think that is hilarious because when I had my first daughter, I was like, oh my gosh, these people are going full out crazy. And I um, I just wonder, how did you navigate all of this with your own kids, the birthday parties? So before Nicole shares her story, I want to share with you my new passion and how it can help you. Hey guys, it's Amber, and you've been hearing me talk all about travel, and I am so passionate about helping families create memories through intentional travel planning. I know it's summertime, and it might not even be on your radar for fall break or Christmas break, but it's just around the corner. It's a perfect time to go to Disney, Mexico, or even a Caribbean cruise. So if you don't have plans yet for those school breaks, I invite you to set up an appointment with me. It's completely free both for the consultation call so that we can talk about what your plans are, what your dreams are, and put them into action. And it's also completely free to use my services to allow me to come alongside and help you make these plans a reality. So to book your time with me, go to mominspiredshow.com forward slash contact. Now let's get back to the show. You know what? I just rebelled. I just... um... I, we still don't do big birthday parties. We do 
bring a friend over, have a sleepover, we'll go to a special restaurant, whatever, mostly family. I just, I don't know. I have some crazy allergy about kids' birthday parties. I Me can't too. handle I them. Kind of it. It's a lot. So, it's so much. And especially when they're little, it feels like it has to be such a production. And I didn't, I didn't grow up with that. I think that I think that's a now thing. I think that was not a then thing. No, um, but now I think Pin- like, Pinterest killed us all. I'll just tell you that Pinterest right now. Is yeah, the death of all and of social us. media because everybody's in posting, and then yep. you really are like, I suck. So yeah, it, right. social media is great, but man, on the comparison aspect, it is so bad. It's really really hard. Yep. So I just I don't know. I never did it. Like, and my kids never really missed it. You know, they went yeah. to plenty of birthday parties. Right. Yep. But when it came time for their own birthday, as long as it was meaningful and fun and something special and out of the ordinary, even if it was small, then that was just enough. I just was not going to, I could not get on that crazy train. Yeah, I totally hear you. I feel the same way. Um, we don't have family here. So if we had family, I would do a little bit of a bigger thing, you know, because the family yeah, would sure. come over, but because we don't, it usually is small. And then every yep. few years, um, I do a little bit of a bigger party, but uh-huh. nothing crazy. I mean, yeah, it would pony. look little compared to other people. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. Uh, one of the things that I love in your book is you talk about having fond memories being around the family table and, mm-hmm. um, and having the same feeling with your kids. What made the memory so, so special and how do you keep that special now with your kids, especially, you know, in a day that it's so busy. Now, I know you said that you were busy too when you were growing up, but I feel like so many yeah. people are playing sports and doing all this yeah. stuff. Um, I love the idea of having dinner around the table. So how do you try to keep that uh, alive and special for you guys? It's super hard. And I'll tell you, the older that your kids get, um, the more activities they're in and the more independent they become, which is how it's supposed to be. Like that's completely natural. Um, so when Charlie comes home from school, he doesn't necessarily want to sit with me and talk about his day for 30 minutes. He's a 14 year old boy. He's like, okay, I'm going to go up to my room and the door, <laughs> and then the door closes and then there's homework happening and video games happening. And, um, so the table for our family has become like the one sacred place where everybody gathers. And it is not always for a home cooked meal. I can tell you that. Like sometimes it's takeout, but it's not takeout on the couch and it's not takeout in your room. It's takeout at the table. Yeah. Um, and it's the one place that we're not allowed to be on electronics. And, um, you know, I desperately try to find new things all the time. Um, card games are our new table activity just cause it, it's fun and it's engaging and we're laughing and eating at the same time, but we're still playing a game as a family. And, um, it's, but it's not just where we eat either. It's where we do crafts. It's where we do homework. You know, my kids don't really do homework at their desks. They do it at the table or if, you know, if everyone wants to paint her nails, it's on the table or anything that happens that requires community happens around our table. And I'm so grateful for it. How many times in a week do you really try to make that happen? Well, so I'm a single mom um, and I have joint custody of my kids. So I, I only have them half of the oh, week. Oh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, um, so every time I have them. You, you <laughs> yeah, may, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah. yeah. We don't do a lot of restaurants. Um, we just, I, I just, when I've got them, I want to be as home as much as possible. Of course. Yeah, that makes sense. When I was reading that about uh, the table, you were talking about nail polish or something getting on it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, we bought a new table uh, a little over a year ago, and it's a really nice gray kind of farm table. 
And yeah. I've waited a long time. It wasn't super expensive, but still. Um, yep. My daughter, my three-year-old got marker that I cannot get off in this little pink oh. pen. And then oh. it made me, I know. And then they put a sticker on it. You know what happens when stickers go on things, of right? Course. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh. and so, <laughs> <laughs> and then I was reading that part in your book and, and, you know, how that kind of really just makes that, you know, that table gets worn out and, you know, yeah. just the memories that are made around it. And so I just have to keep thinking that, you know, this this is life with little kids and this that's is what right. happens. And oh, that's uh, so right. And every time you walk past that little pink marker yeah. smudge or that sticker residue, <laughs> you know, in 10 years, that's going to mean something totally different than it does right yeah. now. And it's going to really be a special, yeah. a special thing to walk by and not a frustrating thing. Exactly. Um, one thing that I love that you said in your book about your mom at, is that she never yelled. Can I just tell you how much I'm like, oh my gosh, she is a hero. <laughs> well, we've laughed about it since. Like I thought, you know, I thought that was like, that's how everybody grows up and everybody's parents are kind to each other and there's no doors that slam and every, you know, no, nobody's mom yells. And, <laughs> and since I've become an adult and a mom myself, you know, I've had great conversations with her about that's not, that's not healthy either. Like she has, <laughs> she had plenty of emotions. Yeah. She just was not, um, a healthy enough person at that time to sort of express them. So everything was, and that was, you know, that was, she grew up in the, the June Cleaver era right. where yes. everything was, yep. Separate perfect. wives and yep. perfect. And mm-hmm. you're like bringing the steaming casserole to the table right at five o'clock every night. <laughs> so that wasn't a generation that was encouraged to be um, vulnerable and honest about hard stuff, yeah. even hard, hard days or hard moments. So, you know, it's, I think a lot of people grew up with moms like that, but yeah, I have since learned that that is not only is it not real, it's not a real healthy way to, it's not a real healthy goal as a parent is to just always present this pristine, collected self to your children because it's not real life. Right. Yeah. And I like that you wrote too that um, you need to let your kids feel their feelings, you know, and not always try to be like, pull it together, be happy, you know? That's right. That's so hard. It is. It's so hard because I feel like we get set up a little bit. You know, your mom, from the moment you're born, her whole job is to care for you. Care, 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 and fix things and make things better. When you're sick, she's the one you want to, she's the lap you want to be in. And she just knows how to nurture and, and, and then it's, there's some like mysterious corner that we're supposed to turn where we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed right. to let them yeah. experience pain, whether, you know, they fall down and get back up again physically or emotionally or have a broken heart or fail a test. Um, and it's very hard because it goes against all of your mothering instincts. You know, we sat in Charlie's sixth grade meeting, welcome to the sixth grade parent meeting. And the principal was like, moms and dads, if they forget their homework at home, please do not run up to school and sneak it in their locker because a lot of parents do that. And I was mm. like, oh my gosh, I would totally do that. <laughs> I was sitting there going, okay, let him just let him forget and fail. That's what you have to do. Right. Because they'll have to learn that for college, you know, and you don't want to take that away from them. Right. Yeah. Work. Right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's so hard because when they are the ages that your kiddos are, well, right. Of course, you're not going to let your three-year-old fail. Yeah. I mean, every time they hit a ball, you're like, hello, you're a baseball star. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, you're amazing. Yeah. You're amazing. You're amazing. <laughs> so it's hard. Yeah, it's hard no, I agree. Uh, Nicole, I have a few more questions um, before we're done. But you had another quote in the book, and it was about um, motherhood is 
the only course in the University of Life in which you're expected to both teach it and learn it at the same exact time. Um, I thought this was so great. And something that came to my mind is so many people before they have kids think they know how they're going to be. And then when they have kids, they realize, oh, wow, this is so different, right? Yeah. So what would you say one of the biggest things that you had to learn and teach to your kids? Um, I would say, gosh, that's hard. I think just, um, honesty about, well, maybe vulnerability is a better word. I Mm -hmm. think that one of the best gifts we can give to our kids is just, um, owning stuff when we mess up, when we make mistakes, when we lose it, um, and coming to them and just saying, you know what, I'm really sorry that that was a that was lame. What I said, what I did, how I responded. Um, I'm sorry are two really powerful words that a lot of parents don't say to their kids because I don't know, sometimes there's this posture of like, well, I'm the adult, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but I do think that that, that is one of the, the healthier practices in our family, I think is just the ability to, to really be honest and be transparent and, and own your stuff. You know, whether it's me or Pepper or Charlie, we all just really try to, to be honest about that. I love that. Well, Nicole, we're almost at the end of the show, but there's one last part of the book that I really liked. And it talks about these days, we are so convinced that our children require extra special everything. And, Mm -hmm. and you put, they don't, we require it for them. I'm holding elf on the shelf recovering classes. If anyone wants (laughs) to participate, there will be back rubs and hugs. Oh my gosh. That was so hilarious to me. And Uh I thought this was so true. And I do think the baby boomer generation is just looking at us, judging us, thinking you guys are ridiculous. Yeah. And, um, and again, it kind of goes back to the social media and Pinterest and all that stuff. Cause I feel like that really, because you can see what everyone's doing, I yeah. feel like you're like, oh, well, that's a really great idea. And maybe I need to do that or, and this. And so, cause now you're just so exposed to so much more stuff. Yeah. Um, what have been some of your traditions though, with your kids, uh, that you felt like you were able to keep that under control and not just go crazy? You mean like holiday traditions? Yeah, holiday traditions or in you and you talked about birthdays. Um or just yeah. any kind of traditions that you have maybe throughout the year that you tend to do that you guys really enjoy or yeah. look forward to? Well, I think the myth is that a tradition has to be extravagant. That in order for it to be special, it has to be over the top, expensive, uh Pinterest worthy, Instagram worthy. And you know, sometimes um the simplest traditions just sort of appear naturally because you did them once or twice. And then suddenly your kids are like, that's a tradition. We did that the last week. We do that every year. We go to this restaurant at Christmas time. It is the most tacky. It's one of Tulsa's oldest restaurants. I won't say the name, but it is like at Christmas time, they just, it's like Christmas barfed all over that place. It is just <laughs> covered in poinsettias and, and tinsel. And it's like, it's like right out of the 19. 19- 50s. It's so gaudy and vintage, but like over the top. And we went there one year because somebody said, take your kids there for a Christmas meal because it's all decked out. And we did. And we ordered um, the table side Caesar salad and then some other stuff. And for whatever reason, like that just became my kids were like, we have to go back and have the Caesar salad, the Caesar salad at the Christmas place. That's like that so was it. Funny. Every, I know. It's so odd. 
but that's our thing now. Like that's what we do every Christmas is go to the the crazy restaurant and laugh at all the decorations and have table side Caesar salad. So that's what I mean when I say it doesn't have to be, you know, super extravagant or break the bank or wear mom out in terms of effort and staying up all night preparing something, you know, it's just, it's whatever's fun and whatever they love and want to do again. That's a tradition. Yeah, I agree. You know, um, I feel like sometimes just those little things, they just absolutely love it. And they think it's they do think it's a big thing. So I I agree. Yeah. And don't I mean, don't get me wrong. We do Elf on the Shelf. We do Santa. We do all the stuff. Um, So it's not like I'm immune to all of that stuff. But I do I do try to look at traditions just through a slightly different lens. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. Well, Nicole, as we wrap up, where can people find you on social media or your website, or it can be and your website? Yeah, I'm all over as Nicole Nordeman. So NicoleNordeman.com and it's um, Nicole is spelled with an H and Nordeman is N-O-R-D-E-M-A-N. Um, same with Facebook, same with Twitter, same with Instagram. It's all Nicole Nordeman. Yeah, and are you um, are you doing any music events? You said something about... Um, Sandy Patty Cruz. Is that the main thing that you're doing this year? Uh, for I'm doing that music? this summer. Yeah. I, you know, I'm always doing concerts all over the oh, place. Yeah. Uh, I toured a lot last year with Jen Hatmaker. We had, did a really wonderful tour called the Moxie Matters Tour, promoting her book and my new album. Um, and we'll be headed back out this fall. Oh, so you fun. can always find, um, you can find us at moxiematterstour.com for upcoming cities. I think they'll be posting those soon. Awesome. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. It's such a great conversation, Amber. Thank you for the thoughtful questions. Hey, you guys, would you like to have every podcast episode in your inbox on Tuesday? That way you don't have to go search for it or have to remember that, hey, a new Mom Inspired Show has aired today. You can have that. All you have to do is go to mominspiredshow.com and subscribe. If you're looking at it on your phone, just scroll to the bottom, enter your name and your email. If you're looking at it on your computer, it's gonna be on the right-hand side. That way you won't miss an episode and I'm also gonna start including travel tips every week. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you next week.